Hello and welcome to Stony Creek Radio, the sermon podcast from Stony Creek Baptist Church in London, Ontario. We are so glad you've tuned in. My name is Ryan and I'll be your host today. Our prayer as you listen to this sermon series on the final journeys of Paul in Acts is that you'll be encouraged and built up in your walk with Jesus as we study God's word together. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's jump right in. It's been, uh, it feels so weird being up there. I haven't been up here in a couple of months. So I've been, uh, I've had the opportunity to be in Sunday school uh, pretty much every week uh, during this time. And so uh, I'm normally sort of nervous coming up, coming up here, but this morning I was like very nervous thinking I had to come up and preach. It's been too, it's been a long time. So uh, I was, I was nervous. So, uh, and so because of that, I didn't sleep very much last, you know, when you're nervous and you don't sleep and then you don't sleep and then you get more nervous, it just keeps going. And so, and it's funny, today's passage is about a boy who falls asleep and falls out of a window. And so I'm a little... I'm a little nervous about this stage here, so uh, hopefully because I'm talking, I will stay awake, but uh, anyways, but I'll be watching everyone this morning because of falling asleep now, and we'll see how it goes, but uh, uh, anyways, it's certainly, uh, I certainly enjoy being here and certainly encouraged to, to worship with you all uh, this morning. Uh, I'm curious, have any of you... Uh, ever been somewhere and listening to someone uh, talk and they just keep going on and on and on and on. And, And as that person continues to talk, you are feeling sleep overtake you uh, more and more to a point where it is a losing battle. You're just hoping they finish because you are going to fall asleep. Uh, And maybe that was in school for you. I know for some of you that happens in church and uh, I see it. No, I'm just joking. Well, I'm not joking, but it's okay. And so uh, it happens, right? I'm assuming all of us have that sort of story or multiple stories. I remember back in Bible school, every now and then in class, I would start to doze off. Uh, and it was a small class. So it was a battle. And so I used to, Mel bought me, she wasn't in school. She got me like for Christmas, a huge bag of these like scotch mints. So I would just be popping those on those days nonstop. And so I would stay awake and my breath was the freshest that it could ever be. But uh, do whatever trick. But I remember this one time we had a Bible conference uh, at MBBI and all these people came in for it as well. And part of the Bible conference, we had a pre-breakfast prayer time. And so breakfast was pretty early at the school. So it was probably around 6 a.m. is when it started, this prayer time, you know, closing your eyes at 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, And so we were in an auditorium, probably this size and maybe this amount of people, I don't remember exactly. And so we started praying or or whoever it was, was prayer meeting started praying and it went on 
and on and on and on. And I was tired and I was fighting it. I, I, I opened my eyes during prayer because I knew if I didn't, I would, I would be out. I'd be falling asleep. And I was doing all these tricks, you know, sitting there and trying to surprise myself by slapping me in the face and to give me a jolt awake and, and all of these different tricks. And so while in the midst of trying to stay awake, all of a sudden I woke up. Because at some point in the midst of that, I actually fell asleep during this prayer time. And I woke up because I jolted awake and I made a really weird, awkward, loud waking up noise. It was very much like a, uh, <laughs> and very loud, very awkward. And I was in the midst of waking up, not knowing where I was, who I was and what century it was. But all I know, I started looking around and realizing there was a lot of people looking at me and some were not very happy. But of course, my friends there found that quite humorous. Uh, now, I'm assuming I'm not the only one who has a story of falling asleep uh, in uh, inappropriate uh, situation or, or that's just happening and sleep overtakes you. Now, in our passage this morning, I'm not just telling you that story just because I wanted to tell you that story. Uh, we have a young boy who is sitting in a message where the Apostle Paul, you could say, goes on and on and on. They start at sunset, he started at sunset, and he goes all the way till midnight, it tells you, and this young boy falls asleep. Uh, they're up on a third floor, unfortunately falls out of the window. He dies, but Paul goes and brings him back, or God uses Paul to bring him back to life. And so thankfully on that day, I was just in a chair and I did not fall at all, but I was good to go. And so we see that in the passage today. Uh, and, and often though, when we look at Acts 20, this is the passage we look at. And we're not gonna focus on this the, the whole time. Um, we're gonna look at it as a part of the whole, but I want us to look at something a little bit different. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 20. Uh, and, and what I want us to focus on this morning is how Luke, the author of Acts, stresses the encouragement that is happening amongst brothers and sisters. We see Paul going out of his way, putting great amount of effort to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ. We also see a church that after gathering together at the very end, it says, and there was no little comfort or no little encouragement that they walked away encouraged. And so I want us to focus on that this morning, the, the important place of encouraging one another as we go about uh, bringing the good news as we go about our mission in this world, uh, a crucial and needed ministry of encouragement that needs to happen amongst ourselves. Uh, and so that's going to be our focus. But in the midst of it is this uh, boy who falls asleep. Now let's look at verses one to six. Uh, verses one to six, we're going to see Paul is traveling around to different uh, cities, different churches. Uh, his, his, he wants to eventually get to Jerusalem, which we'll ex I'll explain later why he wants to go to Jerusalem. But you'll see a lot of traveling happening in these verses, but encouragement in the midst of it. 
Uh, Verse one, starting, it says, after the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater, the Berean son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secondus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus, and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. So it starts off after the uproar. And if you remember from last week in Ephesians 19, if you have your Bibles, you can look at there. And I encourage you, if you missed it last week, to listen uh, to Pastor Mark as he talked about all that happened in Ephesus just prior to this and the rioting that took place. And so chapter 20 says, when finally a calm comes over Ephesus, Uh, Paul calls all of the disciples of Ephesus to him for the purpose of encouragement. Uh, And and that's all Luke says. It's interesting. Luke doesn't tell us any more than that. He doesn't tell us what he said to them. He doesn't tell what he does for them. All he says is after the chaos of chapter 19 and before he travels on to Macedonia, He wants to encourage these disciples who are staying in the midst of Ephesus. Uh, And and maybe this is something if you do a small group and you talk about this passage, that's a question you could think through. What or how would Paul seek to encourage these disciples? What, What do you think he said to them? What do you think he did for them to encourage them after everything that they had just been through and, and maybe what's coming ahead? And so that's the first time I want us to see Verse one, Paul is encouraging the disciples in Ephesus. Okay. Now from there, there's in verses one and two, there's lots of traveling notes that happen as you look in those two verses. Um, And and I want you to, uh, I was going to have a map put up, but I didn't think of it till too late and I didn't want to bother Mike with it. And I have no idea how to put a map up on this thing. So uh, so anyways, what I want you to do, if you have a Bible, some of you might have a map in your Bible uh, and feel free to turn there if you want or if you look it on your phone, maybe there's a map on there. I don't know. I'm sure there is somewhere because there seems to be everything on there. But I uh, encourage you to look at that and just see it because I don't know about you. When I sometimes read all these cities and names and regions and countries, I get them all mixed up and like, where's he going and where's he looking at? So I find it very helpful. A quick glance helps just to see, oh yeah, where he's going makes sense and he's moving along a road. Um, And so Luke here just tells us in verses one and two that Paul is in Ephesus. He then travels to Macedonia, which is north by land. And in this area of Macedonia are places like Philippi, uh, Thessalonica, Berea. These are, uh, these are cities I'm sure you have heard before in places that Paul has gone and planted churches. And then from Macedonia, he went down to Greece. 
Uh, also another name is Achaia. Uh, and this is where the city of Corinth is. And of course, where the church of first and second Corinthians that Paul writes to. And so most likely or most definitely when he says he's going to Greece, he is going to Corinth to visit the church there. Now, if you look at a map, it's kind of interesting because he's in Ephesus. He wants to get to Corinth. And so if you look at, I've got a little map. I printed it out here. So that's what I'm looking at. Uh, it's from the ESV study Bible. So uh, that's, that's what I'm looking at right now. Um, and so if you looked at that map or one like it, you would see if you want to get to Corinth, he could have just sailed right across and got to Corinth quickly. But for some reason, he goes north all the way around and then down to Corinth. Luke just tells us this is what he does, but there's actually a little bit more going on here than just simply him deciding to take this route by land instead of traveling by sea uh, to go there. Uh, and I'm going to give three reasons why maybe there's more, but these are the three I'm giving you now. The first reason uh, is that at this time, there's seemingly beef between Paul and the Corinthian church. Now, there's nowhere in the Bible it says there's beef between them. That's my own wording. But there is some, there are some strong uh, issues going on between the two of them. And you can read all about that in 2 Corinthians talks all about the, the issues that they have between Paul and this Corinthian church. And so while Paul was in Ephesus, as we've been reading the last couple of weeks, it's during this time that he writes 1 Corinthians to this church. Uh, we read in 2 Corinthians that after that, there is a painful letter that he writes to, to Corinth. So this is another letter we don't have that's written in between 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We also learn there's a painful visit going. So at some point in Ephesus, seems that he sailed to Corinth. It was a painful visit. It didn't go well. And he went back to Ephesus. So now he wants to get go back to Corinth, but there's a lot of issues. And because of these things, this church have done things like they're questioning Paul, questioning his qualifications as an apostle. Uh, Paul was hurt by this and things were rocky between them to say the least. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses, you don't have to turn there, but just know I'd encourage you to read these passages later as you think through Acts 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 tells us, that from Ephesus, Paul traveled to Troas. Now, if you look at your map, you see that Troas is about halfway in between Ephesus and Macedonia. And there, uh, he does not find Titus, is what it tells us in 2 Corinthians. And so apparently, at this time in Acts 20, Paul had sent Titus on ahead, go to Corinth, find out, where I stand with them, get some information. It is, is it okay for me to go and visit with them? And so the plan apparently was that Titus would go, find out from Corinth, and then somewhere as they had, they would meet up with each other, he would get the information whether he should go to Corinth or not at this time. And so 2 Corinthians says, as he leaves Ephesus, he goes to Troas, uh, Titus is not there. So it tells us he moves on to Macedonia, as Luke tells us in Acts 20. And so while in Macedonia, another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 tells us that he meets up with Titus. And Titus tells him, 
The Corinth church is good. They've repented. They want to see you. Paul is overjoyed while in Macedonia. Uh, when Paul hears this, he's excited. Uh, it's in Macedonia in Acts chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, is when he writes 2 Corinthians, a letter of 2 Corinthians, and sends it ahead to Corinth before he goes into verse 2. And so this is all that is happening in these first couple of verses as he goes. And so one reason why he does this is because he's meeting up with Titus before he goes down to Corinth. So that's one reason he heads that way. A second reason why he goes up through this area to these churches, uh, he was collecting money. Uh, As I mentioned, eventually he wants to get to Jerusalem. He won't get there today, but they're collecting money, him and this crew of uh, guys with him for the believers in Jerusalem. This is why he eventually wants to get there. Uh, Romans 15 and 2 Corinthians 8, 9 tell us that this is one of the things they're doing. They're going from church to church, collecting money to be brought there. And so uh, it's interesting too, even just the the logistics of having these guys uh, with him as he's collecting money, that it's a way to make sure that people know he's not some scam artist, that all these guys are like representative from all of these churches. So people can give knowing, okay, I might not know Paul very well, but I know this person who's going and can trust. So that's another reason why they're heading this way uh, through those churches. The last reason is simply we see He is going through this way to encourage the believers, encourage people as they go. There's all of these different churches, as I mentioned, Philippi and Thessalonica, these people that as all this is going on in Paul's life, he is still seeking to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ as he goes. So we see in those verses, he eventually does get to Corinth. He spends three months there. While in Corinth, he writes the book of Romans. So in the midst of all that, he just writes the most in-depth theological book there ever is written while there. Uh, and so it's just amazing to think all that is going on in his, in his life, and, 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 uh, and, and, and he does so. Uh, at the end of this, verses three to six, their plan was to sail to Syria. So if you still have your map open, you can see Syria is, mu- is close to Jerusalem. Uh, but he comes to discover a plot. I don't know. It doesn't describe the plot. I love how Luke just kind of describes it that, yeah, there's a plot to kill him. So he did something else. Just another day in the life of Paul, people were trying to kill him. And so maybe being on a boat, he was an easy target. I don't know. So they decided instead of taking the boat to Uh, Syria to eventually get to Jerusalem. They would go by land up through Macedonia uh, once again. And while going through there, I'm sure there was more encouragement taking place. Uh, Something else I want to notice, uh, Luke here doesn't say that encouragement is happening, but no doubt as you've got Paul and Luke and Timothy and these others traveling through these cities, with the mission of collecting money for the poor believers in Jerusalem, the encouragement, the mutual encouragement that was happening as they were serving on mission together. No doubt that was happening as they were going. Paul was not doing this alone. He was doing this with a group serving together. So all that is happening. Now let's look at verses seven down to 12. 
Uh, it tells us they, they all meet up in this Troas. They're there for a week. And here uh, we have the first recorded uh, normal worship service uh, in New Testament times. Uh, and Luke writes it in a way that seems to be that this was what was happening. This is a normal service. Uh, and and this is, they gathered on this day and this is what they did. So let's read that verses seven and to the end or to, to verse 12. It says, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we are gathered and a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer and being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. And so that wording meaning they were very comforted has the idea of that last phrase there. And so, uh, so we see here this, this worship service. And just because this is exactly how it looked, I don't think it has to look exactly the same way today. Like we have lights, we don't have oil lamps. Uh, don't worry, you don't have to buckle in for the next 11 hours as I keep going. Um, I like as well too, like all this happens, the boy falls out, Paul brings him back to life. I don't know, to me, I would have thought at that point, all right, I'm already downstairs. I'm gonna head home to bed. You know, it's midnight already. But what do they do? They head back up and they talk until sunrise. Uh, they keep going. Uh, and so understand as well the special occasion. The apostle Paul was there. He was leaving them the next day. They wanted to get every second they could with him, right? And that time, when this time, when, people, when someone is gone, they're gone, right? Now people can be across the world and you can continue to connect with them. But once you're a few miles away from someone, it's, you're all, you might as well be on the other side of the world with no connection or it's very difficult to. Um, and so understand the, the importance of this time. Just notice a few things that are happening in those passage, in that passage there. Uh, it talks about they were meeting in the upper room. Uh, it talks about a third story of this house. And this is very common. They did not have a building like we have today. It was very normal to meet in people's homes in this time. Uh, it tells us that they met on the first day of the week. Uh, no longer, not meeting on the Sabbath on the Saturday, but meeting on the Sunday, because that is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And it gives us an important picture of why we gather on, the, on Sunday, that week after week after week after week, we're reminding ourselves that Jesus rose from the dead. They gathered to break bread. And no doubt a part of that would have been a, a meal together, but they reminded one another of what Jesus has done and what he continues to do and that he will return. And the importance of to continue to remind ourselves of what Christ has done. It tells us as well that they listened to Paul's speech 
or maybe sermon until midnight. And so you get one element of teaching. It seems to be something Paul was teaching and people were more listening, but it clearly changes from midnight to daybreak. Uh, talk, it uses the word more like conversing, that maybe it was more question and answers and, and conversation. Maybe it was based upon what Paul had already shared. So this happened as well as they gathered. And of course, during this is when Eutychus fell asleep and died and Paul raised him to life. Um, I, I want to mention too here with, I didn't mention earlier on, I just thinking it now, that Luke, as he writes about Eutychus falling asleep, he doesn't write it in a negative way. He doesn't write it like, oh man, that kid Eudy, he should have went to bed earlier. He, uh, he shouldn't have fallen asleep like that. No, he writes it very much like, yeah, Paul was going on till midnight. That is late. It was dark. It probably felt nice in the window there and slept, sleep overtook him. Uh, and so it's just the reality of like the, the grace we are to show to one another. We've all been there and we don't know what, I have no idea what anyone's night has brought. And so meaning if I see anyone falling asleep, I'm not judging you. It's, I don't know what your night looked like and sleep has just overtaken you. And so uh, I don't know if that excuse, I don't know if that works all the time, but, but at least every now and then, but just interesting to note here that he just talks about it in that way. But all of this happens in this service as they have gathered, gathered. And what does it say at the very end? And they were not a little comforted. They were very comforted. Now that word comforted there, it's the third time this basic word has been used in these 12 verses. And it's the word parakaleo, parakaleo. It's the same root word as parakaletos, which is a reference to the helper, which is a reference to the Holy Spirit who has come to help and be a comfort to God's people when Jesus rises from the dead in John 14. And so this idea of encouragement is something that is needed to be given and received to brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a work of the Spirit that is done amongst us and in us and through us to build us up, to comfort us, in uh, God's word and in good works. And it is, a it is a crucial responsibility and privilege as we go about our weeks on mission for Christ, the important role of the spirit-led encouragement amongst ourselves that we need to be encouragers of one another, that we need to, to, to strive for being encouraged as we leave after being encouraged or after meeting together. Uh, just notice too, even the different type of encouragement that happens here with Paul, it happens privately. Uh, we see in those groups it's happening, uh, but we also see how it's happening publicly. We see how Paul encouraged individuals, but Paul also, uh, it was encouragement was happening corporately. Uh, also notice how there's an element of encouragement that is given, right? Paul sought to go to these churches to bring encouragement in the Lord and God's word and his works but there's also an element of encouragement needing to be received, right? Uh, after the service, the church left being encouraged. And it's kind of just an interesting thought and something to, to really think about this important role of encouragement as maybe we wake up every day and ask, Lord, help me be encouraging to others today. 
Help me have a heart and wisdom to see and to encourage others in the Lord and God's word and in and, and whatever way I, I need. But also, Lord, help my heart be encouraged today. Help our heart as a church be encouraged today by the gathering of your people. One of the commentaries I read this week, he asked these couple of questions, uh, just thinking through how can we encourage believers this week as we see in Acts 20? Uh, and even adding on top of that, my own question is how can we be encouraged today? as we see the church. Uh, And the other question he asked is, why don't we encourage believers? Why does this not happen sometimes? Uh, If you even just think of Paul, in the midst of his encouragement, just think of what was going on in his life. There was a major issue between him and Corinth at this time. As he's traveling through Macedonia, Ephesus to Greece, major problems going on. And I'm sure it was on his mind Yet, in the midst of that, he did not focus only on his own problem. He still looked at others and sought to encourage them. Do you ever see that? The, the tendency or the, the if, if something's going on in your own life, how easy it is to just focus on me, focus on my problem. Everyone should be focused on me and my problem and how easy it is to forget to be even in the midst of that. We are called to be encouragers. And we see that in the example of Paul. The other thing as well, think of, you know, how often maybe we don't encourage people just because we get so busy, right? I got to do this today. I got to go to work. I got to feed the kids, whatever. I don't know. After work and feeding the kids, that's all we do. But we're done after that. So uh, we're falling asleep. So whatever else, everyone else does. But, but it's kind of the idea, right? I'm, I'm so busy. I don't have time. But we see Paul in the midst of, you know, just writing Romans and 2 Corinthians and traveling by foot everywhere. He still made time, effort to encourage others. And it's a good reminder for us that even in the busyness of life, as many of us are, we want to and need to make time. I think another uh, why sometimes we don't encourage is maybe sometimes we don't know how, or maybe I think there's an element of all of us are wired differently. And so we might be encouraging someone in a language they don't understand. And so we need wisdom. Lord, how can I communicate your encouragement to this person in a way that they uh, get it uh, and understand and, and, and help me, Lord, give me wisdom to be an encourager uh, to people as we see Paul. Uh, the other thing I was thinking, the other element of why aren't we encourage or why don't we encourage, but the other element, why would we leave a service and not be encouraged as we see in Acts 20? Uh, no doubt there's many reasons why, and maybe some that are natural. Maybe you did fall asleep the whole time. I don't know, because you didn't sleep all night. Uh, but there's certainly reasons why. If we have things like bitterness in our hearts, right? If, if we're sitting here just angry and bitter at someone the whole time, I'm assuming you're not going to walk out of a service feeling encouraged, And so it's a reminder to deal with our bitterness, deal with our hearts, asking the spirit, help me, uh, Lord, forgive me. Uh, Help me deal with this issue that's going on so that I can leave today as a part of the church being encouraged. Maybe it's things like selfishness and pride, killers of encouragement and God's work in our hearts. 
Uh, maybe the other reason we're not encouraged after leaving a service because you weren't there. Now, I know I'm talking to the ones who are here today, but again, it's a reminder of the importance of gathering as a church family. Now, if we just think through, I'm just, I'm nearing the end here. I'm not going to go on and on, or I'm trying not to go on and on like Paul does, but uh, we see here many examples of how to encourage that Paul does. Uh, these, and the encouragement with individuals from the passage, you see Paul stressing in the midst or soon after a very difficult time, holding off his trip to Macedonia to make sure he encourages those disciples. I'm sure he wanted to get going. Maybe his plane had to leave in a few minutes, but he made sure he's like, no, I've got to call these disciples. I need to encourage their hearts in the Lord. I'm going to put off my schedule and I'm going to do this because this was a brutal few days here. And he does that. Uh, We see encouragement was happening as they were collecting money and gifts for others. The act of giving uh, financially is is a form uh, to encourage our hearts, reminding what God is doing. We see Paul spending time visiting with people, serving with people on mission as they go about uh, uh, life and collecting money. And I just think of in our own church, how important that is. Thinking of men's ministry who met yesterday, the importance of gathering and studying God's word and being mutual encouragers to one another. And that's just one example of many uh, that can happen. I think of serving together and how we can encourage one another on mission uh, when I have the opportunity to go to Arc Aid and how neat it is to serve together on mission. And I always leave when I have the opportunity to go encouraged as we've been able to do that together as God's people. And we see that in Acts 20 and we can see that in our lives. I also see how as we gather together, how we can leave here encouraged as the church was in Acts 20, that we gather on the first day of the week, that there is encouragement that we gather to to worship a risen Savior as we sing songs and, and praise the fact that Jesus is alive. It encourages our heart as we do that together. As we break of the bread, the encouragement of the gospel of Jesus, that, that we are justified by faith. We are declared righteous because of what Christ has done. And so the reminder of Jesus' broken body and shed blood encourages our heart. And again, this is an event we do together. And the teaching and preaching and talking about God's word corporately, the encouragement of the word of God taught can do that to our hearts. And we pray that we leave our gatherings Sunday or any other gatherings we have together, we would leave encouraged because of these things as the spirit works. I just think in my own life, the last couple of weeks, if I gave the last year, I would go on forever But the last couple of weeks, just for myself, hearing God's word taught or discussed and how I leave encouraged, being able to be a part of that. I think of at young adults, we meet around the campfire at the Terrace's house and we talk about the Bible. We, James, we're going through the book of James right now. And we, we were in James one, like five to eight for about a month or something like that. And we just kept talking, but I'm thinking it through. And I leave that encouraged as Paul and the church was able to do each week. I think in my own heart uh, at six to eight, uh, 
listening to Amelie teach one week, listening to Jeff teach another week, being encouraged by God's word being taught. Uh, at Sunday school last week, uh, I was a helper and listening to Jessica teach the parable of the lost sheep to those kids. Uh, at Creekside, uh, the last few weeks, being able to listen to Joel teach and the next week, Christina teach and the next week, Ben teach God's word. And it was encouraging to my heart. At prime time a couple weeks ago, able to listen to Joy uh, share what she is thankful for to God in her life. And sorry, Dan, I had to leave early, so I missed your devotional. But, uh, uh, but I, I heard good things as well. But again, I'm just reminded as I read Acts 20, the encouragement that comes from gathering and hearing God's word taught and as the Holy Spirit works in our lives as we serve together and hear the word of God taught. Uh, corporately or, or together uh, or individually uh, in a group. And so I just want to encourage us, encourage us, I didn't mean that, encourage us to be encouraging that we would, by God's spirit, that we would seek to be encouraging people, even in the midst of busy and crazy times, and that we would be a people that would leave our gatherings together, being encouraged by what God has done through Christ, through his spirit, and that we would uh, be the same as this church and leave and not being little comforted. And that we would take the example of Paul when he writes in Romans 1, uh, verses 11 and 12, that he wrote in Corinth in Acts 20, verse 3. He says, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And so that we would be a church that mutually encourage one another as we go about living out Christ's mission. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning and uh, thank you for uh, the example of Paul and uh, the believers and the church and the importance of uh, being encouragers uh, and, and even in hard times and busy times, realizing in this mission of bringing the gospel to the world, this important and crucial role of encouraging one another in Christ. Uh, that, Lord, we would continue to do so. And, Lord, I pray for our times that we gather as the church in Chiraz gathered, that they left that time together being comforted, being encouraged, that, that Lord, we would seek that as well, and that we would, in, in humility, come to you, repent of our sins, and knowing that, that your blood has washed us clean and that we are forgiven, that we would, anything that is hindering us from this between us as brothers and sisters, that we would go and, and, and seek reconciliation and forgiveness. Uh, and so that we can come together and leave being encouraged. And so Lord, we, we, we ask that we would seek to mutually encourage one another and, and, and Lord, that you would continue by your spirit work in us to do this spirit led work for one another. Lord, we thank you. I do thank you for this church family. Uh, and uh, we thank you for this time that we're able to come on the first day of the week and we can sing your praises that our savior came and died and rose from the dead and he lives victorious. And uh, I thank you for that amazing truth in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you've been encouraged by our time today in God's word, 
We'd love for you to connect with us on social media and let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at SCBC London. Until next time, I'm your host, Ryan, and this has been Stony Creek Radio. God bless. Thank you.